Movie Truck Companion. This is episode 221. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we're discussing Voyager's fifth season episodes, Extreme Risk, In the Flesh, and Once Upon a Time. Here we go. Extreme Risk, Season 5, Episode 3, Production Code 197, Original Air Date October 28, 1998, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Written by Kenneth Biller, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Hamilton Camp as Vrelk, Alexander Inberg as Vorik, and Daniel Betans as Holographic Pilot. Bolana Toros has been secretly engaging in several dangerous holodeck programs that caused her serious harm. Meanwhile, the Voyager crew works around the clock to build the Delta Flyer, hoping to beat the Malon in retrieving a lost probe from the atmosphere of a gas giant. I thought we came down here to talk about safety protocols. This has nothing to do with that. I'm not so sure. The logs show you only ran this program for 47 seconds, the day after I gave you the news about the massacre. Then you shut it down and started running the most dangerous programs you could find, with the safeties off. Why? This is ridiculous. I'm leaving. Computer, seal the doors. You can't do this! The hell I can't. You're not going anywhere until you tell me what's going on. I remember a couple weeks ago on our podcast saying how that opener where Janeway is, you know, reclusive felt a little bit forced. Like I hadn't really seen her get to this point. I kind of feel the same way in Extreme Risk uh, with Torres you know, all by itself. I didn't think that, but just in the context of the show, which again is the kind of way is the, is the way we modern audiences think, <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of curious if you guys felt like this episode, her Taurus felt her, her uh, depression and, you know, using physically harming herself and stuff. Uh, if that's felt forced, or if you feel like it came from somewhere, Adam, you want to start us off? Um, yeah, extreme risk. Um, I generally felt the same way you did, Brian. I kind of felt like this that storyline was kind of out of place because I believe she found out kind of in the first half of last season about this. So it seems like this episode should be in last season if they kind of wanted to do this. It's been it's been quite a while since Blonde has found out about her. Um you know, you know, all the deaths of her friends and that kind of thing. Well, the implication is she's been doing this for since then, at least. So she's been doing this for quite a while. It's just that we never once ever saw her depressed. Yeah. They don't, they, they never allude before. to it. Yeah. Yeah. They never allude to it or anything. Um, but real quick, I just want to throw a positive thing in here. Um, I did enjoy the Delta flyer. I kind of wish this, the whole episode was about the building of the Delta flyer, but it's cool to see the Delta flyer. Um, another thing I kind of wanted to say about the episode that we get into it. And, you know, I'm, I don't have a problem with them dealing, trying to deal with depression as a, you know, an issue, but like you, Brian, it feels out of place and it feels forced. And um, I also kind of feel like it also kind of dates this episode. Not that Alana has, you know, depression or that they shouldn't deal with these kind of issues. I just think the kind of the, the reaction, I kind of felt, you know, the, the crew's reaction to her, especially um, Chakotay, you know, forcing her into the holodeck just kind of seems like a dated way to kind of deal with depression. I thought that too. I mean, that's, if you look back in the nineties, that's kind of, you know, oh, tough man, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's very dated. So those are my, those are my feelings on the episode. I kind of think maybe the banana pancakes dates it too. Cause I don't know anybody that would eat banana pancakes. Myself. <laughs> and, you are, <laughs> um, and you are a breakfast connoisseur too. So yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve. I, 
pretty much agree with everything that's been said. I mean, overall, I like this episode because it's kind of a, you know, there is character development and it has a feel-good ending and all of that. So, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it and everything, and it's certainly memorable. But, but yeah, it's one of these that just it's a it's kind of a product of its time in that sense. You know, I think I think it's I think it's to me it's overall like an above average kind of episode. It's just that given the context of everything and what we're used to, it, it's just one of the pitfalls of. You know, it's, it's interesting, that, and we've talked about this before, to look at the Star Trek franchise and see the different series and what went down in all of them going forward all the way up to the, the series that are playing now and how, you know, they have to fit in the context of what we're used to in terms of continuity and series-long arcs and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of sad how hard it is to develop a character, you know, in terms of uh, anything major, you know, when, when you can't or at least when they when they constrain themselves to not not be able to do big things over a long period of time you know i mean the only way this would have worked better really in the context of it is for it not to be as extreme or something you know if her if if what went down with her was just something that we could plausibly recognize that we just didn't see over the course of time and it wasn't extreme as what it was and then we wouldn't be having this kind of conversation but then it wouldn't be as big of a thing and not as you know, not as huge of a character development and so on. So that's an interesting point that, you know, they are fighting this that with the classic Star Trek reset at the end of every episode, it is hard to get a little bit of character development. However, um, I think, I think this, this issue, my issue with this episode, it fails it in other ways too. So when she comes out of this depression, Chakotay does whatever he does and they have the conversation or whatever. And then she comes and then he's going to go, uh, he says, all right, you know, he leaves her in the holodeck. Right. And then he's going to go help with the Delta flyer. And then she comes up to him and says, I need to do this. Uh, I don't really understand where that came from because she's gone because she is so far down because she is so depressed. So maybe if it hadn't been as extreme, I would have bought her, her, cause I just don't understand what's different now. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. it was a, a single conversation with Chicote after all this time. Okay, maybe. Uh, and then she goes on to the Delta Flyer and she all patches well. a hole, and now she's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, By the way, my notes real, real uh, edit correct or what, like auto correct here had a different word there when I put that she patches a hole. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. I had that in my notes. I'm like, that whole scene kind of just felt clumsy. You know, she's getting up, she's getting down. It just didn't seem like a very yeah. It, no, and she's scene. she's taking the tech right. Yeah. And it and it's it that actually is really a lame thing. That whole that whole scene is super lame to me. But just overall, like maybe if if she hadn't gone so far down, she wouldn't have needed. You know, her how far she goes back up so quickly wouldn't have seemed so preposterous to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm with you. Like, I like these characters. I like some of these individual moments. But as a Trekker, I'm thinking about this real breathing universe. And this episode doesn't fit within that somehow. Like, it's, mm. it's, this isn't who she was at the end of the previous episode. I'm sure of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? right. Yeah. The, the last 15 previous episodes, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that the, 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 the concept that in the next episode, you know, by the end of this episode, she's eating banana pancakes and smiling. So the first seconds of the next episode, this is all but forgotten. 
And, just, and, and they missed an opportunity. If they were going to do this episode, they missed an opportunity in the void where they could have hinted at her own depression. Because obviously in that episode, we were, you know, it was yeah. Janeway's problem. But yeah. they could have had just a, a line or a scene in that episode to set this one up. Um, and yeah, it's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. There are definitely lots of things in here I like. I think the best scene in this episode by far, I love the scene where Janeway confronts Torres in sickbay. That scene is so great. Mm-hmm. The writing is really good. Their performances are really good. Milgaru's performance is really good. You know, the way she delivers some of those lines. Because she cares about Torres, but she's also the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, she doesn't do... I, I agree, like, what Chakotay does and dragging her into the holodeck, that, yeah, it feels dated. No, but I think what she does in that scene is really good, and her performance is really good. But, I mean, I think what yeah. the character Jane Wade does, the way she treats Torres, I mean, it's it's firm, but it's still caring and... I, I, I like that and, and that she she knows she needs to pull her off that project and then what is it Torres says that's fine or something I don't know and then and then Jen was like now I know there's something wrong mm-hmm. anyway it's just a it's a really good scene oh a side note I wrote down it's interesting this idea I mean it makes sense but it's interesting this idea that like personal holodeck programs are considered private yeah I guess it, I mean it makes sense but it also makes you think <laughs> I mean, that kind of means anything goes, right? It's, well, that's mm-hmm. my personal program. Please, you know, that's... We've that's kind of alluded to this before, right? <laughs> I mean, in reality, it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chakotay was able to start that program without her, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although, it does, although it does seem unusual that you could turn off the safety protocols as much as she did without it. Oh, you think she you just reminded me. Okay, do you guys remember... Uh, I mean, there have been lots of Star Trek magazines over the years, but years ago before the internet was so big, there were a lot more Star Trek magazines. Mm-hmm. The one that I subscribed to, I bought all of them occasionally on the newsstands, but the one that I had a subscription to that I got them in the mail every month for many years was Star Trek Communicator. Yeah, me too. Which yeah. I th- was that the official one? I think I feel like it was yeah, the official one. Yeah. <laughs> you probably might remember this, Steve. They had a letter section at the beginning, and mm-hmm. I wrote in a letter oh, after yeah, this episode. I, that's right. I don't remember. I didn't remember the details, but I remember you getting a letter in yeah. there and you telling me about it. Yeah, because I remembered that there was there, and I and I said, "Hey, in next gen, Data has to have like an additional senior officer for. Yeah. I think it's a uh, descent part. Was it part one or part two? They don't with the. Yeah, it's it's when he's he's trying to recreate the thing where he had an emotional reaction. Oh yes, so yes. He, he's yeah. So he's trying. So his fight with the Borg, he's trying to make it uh, more and more um, physically precarious, and he needs Jordy's. He needs like two, two a second person to be able to deactivate those protocols. Anyway, so I wrote a letter and said, "Hey, Taurus is able to do this disengage safety code protocols on her own, but in next gen, they said you can't do that." They sort of printed my letter. They, I think they actually printed somebody else's who who phrased it pretty much exactly the same way, but then they wrote. They put my name and his name on yeah, it or something. Yeah, yeah. It was something like that. But anyway, so they, they printed my letter and my name was in the magazine. <laughs> and well, it was this well, episode. Yeah. What was their explanation? Uh, they used to, I remember they used to do this thing. They, they would say, basically, you're right, but here's the made-up answer. And then they would just make up a way to make it work. <laughs> they, did, they, they did something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made those notes too. It was absolutely preposterous. I mean, that this would let people do this kind of thing you know it's even with multiple people's approval that there would be any way to do that right, right. You would think that would just be never no yeah 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 true you, you would think it'd be, only the captain would be able to override you know safety protocols uh what's this episode about obviously they're trying to deal with emotional states um depression 
in um, how it debilitates you and it changes you and it makes you really not the person you are. Um, and I like that they explored that um, in this episode. It's interesting to, to concepts, you know, exploring different emotional states and how they affect you. I think that's what they were trying to go for in this episode. Obviously, you know, I think at least me and Brian kind of think that it's dated in how they go about handling it. But um, at the time, you know, it was, it's an issue and it's an issue today. And it's, um, that's kind of think what they were going for. And then, you know, the side note, you know, team, you know, family, building the Delta Flyer, everybody kind of coming together. The B story. You know, I agree with everything, you know, about how it's dated and so on. I, I do think that it's one of these, if you can kind of imagine it almost as a standalone story. I mean, I think there are some interesting nuggets you can take out of it in terms of how they handled it. I mean, it's got depression, but there's also this idea of just doing something to feel like to do, do, do I think it's that kind of situation where you're doing extreme things. Um, and, and this is pretty common when someone's going through a crisis or something that's just you know, they can't, they can't handle the degree of loss, um, that they, they, they engage in stuff to just anything to, to help them feel something yeah. for life to have some kind of meaning, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. And it's, and it's also kind of as a, you know, on a, the side note, it's also that notion that we, it's sometimes in those states, it's also very difficult to understand fully what it, why we're doing what we're doing, you know, and it's, it's almost like we're in this bubble and, uh, you know, it's, you, you need intervention to help because you, you can't always understand it yourself, you know? So I think it's had some good, some good things to say, but like we've alluded to, it's just in today's world of television viewing and series viewing there, there's, it's, it's problematic and, that, and that's unfortunate, but I think as a standalone story, it's not too bad. All right, let's do six degrees for extreme risk. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I guess I'll go first. Hamilton Camp plays Varelk, the alien that likes to threaten Voyager with his gas. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little chuckle. All right. He <laughs> he played the <laughs> as long as you make myself as long as I make myself laugh, I'm all right. Uh, he played the Ferengi Lick in the DS9 episode Ferengi Love Songs. In this episode, Cork discovers his mother is dating whom? The Grand Negus. Yes, sir. Steve, he returned to play Luck again in DS9's sixth season to assist Quark and other Ferengi when they mount a rescue mission to save Quark's mother on Terok Nor. Name that episode. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's kind of a reference mm-hmm. to a Western. Right. I, God, I know, I know, but I'm, for some reason the details are eluding me like in the title. And that That Western is a remake of a movie You're that right. I love. Yeah, and therefore I, can... I hate the Western. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And I'm trying to draw the line. And I'm trying to, um, what is, damn it. Um, sorry. Um, the, I uh, guess I'll take a gamble that I'm not sure on the title that Adam won't get it, but is just the Magnificent Ferengi. You got it. Magnificent uh, Ferengi. Nice. nice Very work. good. <laughs> I, 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 Very good. I, I couldn't, uh, yeah, I was trying to draw the lines and for some reason that didn't sound right, but I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right, one-to-one, moving on. In the Flesh, Season 5, Episode 4, Production Code 198, Original Air Date, November 4th, 1998, Directed by David Livingston, Written by Nick Sagan, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Ray Walston as Boothby, Kate Vernon as Commander Valerie Archer, Zach Galligan as Ensign Gentry, and Tucker Smallwood as Admiral Bullock. (laughs) 
Voyager encounters a space station that contains a near-complete recreation of Starfleet Academy on Earth. First Officer Chakotay and Lieutenant Commander Tubok have investigated the recreation, finding that those inside appear to be Starfleet personnel, cadets, and even the groundskeeper, Boothby. Commander, logistics is a secure area. They won't let you in with that hollow imaging device, fresh from the neutral zone. You're not a Romulan double agent, are you, son? Actually, I was just recording a few images for my friends back home. Would you mind posing for a shot? Me? You want a picture of me? The one and only Boothby. My friends would be impressed. Well, when you put it that way. In the flesh. I like this episode. I think I like the idea of this episode. It, it was such a such a crazy, like, the teaser is so great. And it's such an out there kind of concept that I think it makes it enjoyable, even if it slows down here and there. But, um, um, yeah, this is my kind of uh, nutty episode. Steve, what are your first thoughts here? Yeah, I liked it. It's certainly memorable. Um, it's one of these that's kind of, um, it's all, it's almost abstract, you know. The, it, I mean, it, it, in a sense, it harkens back to stuff I remember about the original series because they had to work in the context of the sets that already existed. So it's almost like, you know, let's use the fact that we have a kind of a world that we can call Starfleet Academy and somehow use it for this series that is nowhere near earth, you know? Um, so in that sense, it's kind of abstract and, um, but, but yeah, you, you, um, it, it's very sci-fi, you know, so it's a story you can only tell in that way. It's of course cool to see Ray Walston again as Boothby, the, the, just the idea of, you know, these are aliens, but they're in the human form and they're the, the kind of the, the, the language used like Boothby's talking kind of this old fashioned way that Boothby talks yet. It's a different species altogether. That's English isn't even their language, you know, just this kind of strange stuff, you know, but you know, I, that I agree. I like this kind of, kind of thing because it's almost like you suspend disbelief. You suspend kind of the, you know, feasibility of it all um, to tell the story and to comment on these, you know, these, the differences they have and trying to come to some detente as it were. So yeah, I like this. Adam, uh, your first thoughts. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with you guys. Um, it's, um, it's an interesting way to bring eight, four, seven, two into the mix. Um, it's all, it's interesting and it's kind of clever too, because you don't actually have to set up a whole new, species with this so let's just take them and kind of morph them into something that's more um palatable that we can kind of understand well do you remember i remember the first time seeing it and and the doctor triggers that genetic reversion and they it's pretty creepy it's literally morphs from the human into a472 and they jump back and i I remember being shocked like oh my god it's a472 oh my god Right. Yeah. So yeah. So it's an interesting way to bring the species in, and you know they kind of have a backstory, and they have a they have a motive for eight for um eight four seven two to kind of pursue this. I think they kind of I think it's kind of a big leap that they make the overall hell bent to destroy the Federation, but it's it's not too much of a leap. It's a little bit of a leap, but not too much. Okay, I said that twice now. But another thing, another problem I kind of would have liked more in this episode is like a little bit more of a backstory on how eight four seven two got all this information, they kind of just allude to it in that um, ready room meeting, you know, oh, we have a Starfleet database. I'd have liked a little bit more there, but other than that, I enjoyed it. And 
Yeah, it's fun. You know, the one thing I enjoy this episode enough that it makes me, I wish they had come back to 8472 one more time because this is kind of it, you know? And there, it seems like there's a lot of cool setup here and that uh, one more story, one more episode down the line would have been uh, worth it. I think they could have done some some fun things. Why didn't they? Because they kind of allude to it. You know, he goes yeah, back they to, do. like, I got to go back to my superiors. We'll see what happens. And yeah. I guess, I guess they just well never, them. I don't know if they considered it and just couldn't come up with a story they liked or if they just abandoned it completely. But I like, uh, I mean, my favorite scene in this, in this one is that, uh, is it in the ready room near the end there between Janeway and Boothby and Chakotay I, I like that scene. I like uh, I like the writing. I like that Janeway decides to, you know, take the first step and disarm, you know, and and Boothby responds to that. It's it's a good scene. It's well written. It's well well played. Um yeah, I like the scenes with Jacote and Archer were fun. You know, you know he <laughs> he was good at just giving one word answers and getting away with it. So I mean, they're cute and clever. Um, yeah, you that, first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know. It's fun to get an archer character in there. I got to say, though, at the end, uh, what is it? She said, does she say, I'll never get a chance to do this again. And then she kisses him or something. Right. Or is that him? I forget. Th- that line kind of made me roll my eyes. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> it's a little bit cheesy. Well, I mean, the, even the kiss, their kiss after their date, you know, and he's like all backed up and she gives him a peck and he's all like, Oh, don't touch me. And then he gives her that big whopper. I'm like, it's kind of cheesy. You know, we don't really know. Like when they, when they made their bodies into like human form, did they put their eyes where their eyes are and stuff like that? I mean, is that her mouth that Chakotay is kissing? True, we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could be something else. It could be he could be kissing her foot, could be kissing <laughs> her butt. Yeah, uh, yeah, it might not even be a she. You know, we don't Very know. True, I don't know. I did, and this is just being silly, but. When Chakotay, he has another line to her and he says, if you take the time to speak to us directly, we could prove that we're no threat to you or some, something like that. And I immediately thought, I thought A472 had telepathic powers. Didn't they? Was I remembering that wrong? Oh, yeah, because of the Kess stuff, yeah. Kess was the only one who could pick him up. Chakotay? I thought Kim not, saw something. Kim. Um, Tuvok, I thought he could communicate it with him, too. Okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe it wasn't just everybody, but... Eh. Did you guys recognize uh, the actress Archer? I, I was watching it the whole time. I'm like, what do I know her from? What do I know her from? I had to look it up. So obviously I'm not asking you this for six degrees. She's, uh, what's his name's wife on Battlestar? Um, the Exo. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I've been thinking about rewatching that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's because of seeing Ron Moore on that What We Left Behind documentary. Talking like, yeah, I need to rewatch Battlestar. I've only seen it like four times. <laughs> I think I've only watched it straight through once since it's and since it's airing. I mean, I watched obviously, you know, week to week, season to season, but I think I might have watched it once through since then. And it's been at least 10 years, if not more. I don't think I've watched it since I bought it on Blu-ray. Since I got everything in HD. I think the the few times I watched it was back in the standard def days. I think. Yeah, I never watched all the Blu-rays. So you finished it a couple years ago, didn't you, Steve? Yeah, it's been a few years. But yeah, Brian gave it to me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I was like, Steve needs to watch this show. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray. And obviously we're off topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is In the Flesh about? Obviously, it's called, um, you know, instead of having mutual destruction, you know, come to the table and have a dialogue. Um, trust, first contact, you know, the first contact themes are, are big in Star Trek and, you know, cultural exchange. And I think that's kind of what they're talking about. Maybe, you know, day four seven two you know learning to be human it's kind of what i came up with it's kind of weak but maybe steve's got something better yeah well yeah i, I agree and and I, I i i'm kind of reminded of you know the paranoia that exists between warring factions like during during our, our cold war and things like that you know where it's one side assumes that the other is out to get them and and you know it turns out people have more in common than they have you know otherwise and so um sure enough they're they're doing this elaborate you know test and simulation i to do to uh because they're afraid i mean people are just afraid of the other side you know they don't understand the other side and and uh and, and essentially when they like you said when they get down to talk and they actually come to the table and have a real truthful discussion, you know, it comes to the surface that what's really going on and then find a mutual solution. So yeah, I think, I think it's an, I think it's a good episode. Let's do six degrees for in the flesh. Let's see. You each have one. Uh, I think Adam had the choice last time. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Tucker Smallwood plays Admiral Bullock. He is best known for playing what species in enterprise. How specific do you want to get? <laughs> you don't have to be that specific. Zindi? Yes. He was the Zindi primate, but oh, Zindi yes. I will take. Uh, Adam, Zach Galligan. Oh, this was just, I had to ask this for me. Sorry. Because <laughs> I did recognize him immediately, and let's see if you did too. Zach Galligan plays David Gentry, the 8472 alien that decides to kill himself in sick bay, sick bay rather than talk. He is most famous for playing the lead character named Billy in what film series? Um, Gremlins, right? Yes, sir. Bye, oh, bye, yeah. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I also recognized him from uh, the Waxworks movies, these kind of crappy uh, horror movies, Vestron, mm-hmm. low budget horror movies Vestron put out in the, I don't know, early 90s, which I always loved. Uh, but yeah, Gremlins, Joe Dante. <laughs> Joe Dante. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I guess my questions are too easy today. It's two <laughs> to two. Moving on. <laughs> Once Upon a Time, Season 5, Episode 5, Production Code 199. Original air date, November 11th, 1998. Directed by John T. Kretschmer. Written by Michael Taylor. Music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Justin Lewis as Trevis. Sorry, Nancy Hauer as Samantha Wildman. Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman. And Wallace Longham as Flotter. Due to an ion storm, the Delta Flyer crashes on a planetoid becoming buried under three kilometers of rock. Instant Samantha Wildman is seriously injured, and Tom Paris and Tuvok attend to her as they await for Voyager to locate and rescue them. Meanwhile, aboard Voyager, Wildman's young daughter Naomi awaits her mother's return. Naomi? Go away! She she doesn't want to talk to you. You lied. 
I thought you vaporized. Naomi reliquified me. Now leave! Computer delete characters! Unable to comply. Holodeck controls have been encoded. Steve, why don't you finish out today? Or by starting the last <laughs> <laughs> question. <laughs> All right. Uh, overall, it's, you know, this starts off, and I'm thinking, how did they keep anyone watching this, you know? <laughs> during, during the, you know, it's like, what's going on here, you know? Do you feel like they needed to have, like, a big graph, text graphic on screen? Yep, this is Star Trek. Yeah, right. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be people switching channels. Like, uh-oh, what's, you know, this isn't it. Um, but... Uh, you know what? What I what I there are two things I get out of this. What I'm reminded of. First off, is this Scarlett Palmer's first one as an yes. Amy Wildman? I think I thought yes. so. Second, um, it's the um, it's the, it's the whole idea of a shared pop culture phenomenon within the Trek world. You know, and this is not something we see very often. I mean, they make references to things that we would all know. But there isn't a whole lot. I mean, it happens, but there's not a whole lot of things where everyone knows a reference to literature, um, film, television, whatever it would be, or the equivalent thereof in their world. And they get this, they get this uh, flutter thing, and everyone knows about it, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, um, insert whatever um, you want to in terms of a, a cartoon or something that everyone knows growing up as a child and this kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of fun. Of course, Brian, you and I met Scarlett Palmer's, and this is what I thought of the first thing I, when I saw this yeah. episode, that whole yeah. time when we were at that convention. But it, it was not a Star Trek convention, folks. We just we just saw her, yes. it was a songwriting convention, and we just saw her walk in the hallways, and we <laughs> went up to her, and Steve said something, I think, and we just thought it was funny because most people probably were not recognizing her, at least certainly not there. Right, right. <laughs> she was there with her mom. Right? Yes, that was, that, was, that was an interesting experience. Yeah, it was fun. Um, but th- those that's what I thought of. I mean, this is, you know, it is what it is, this episode. But, you know, those little nuggets are what are the highlights for me. Yeah, they do a really amazing job with that children's storyline thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the whole uh, where did Flutter go? And then she's in her room later uh, on a computer and thinking, I was thinking about some way to bring the water back, you know, to... Uh, if I could change the, term. you know, it was like such a such a cool like concept that this was clearly being used to teach children and yeah, yeah. everyone learned it together. And, uh, and there were other neat moments like that too. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Adam, you guys might disagree with me. I I kind of felt like they did something clever in this episode. Um, you know, it kind of starts off. You know, kind of goofy in kids' episode. I agree with you. The flutter, the flutter stuff was cool that everybody knew who it was, and it was kind of something everybody could reference back to childhood. But like I said, you know, you start off. Um, this is a kids' episode. You know, you're not really sure what's going on, and then kind of the slowly they kind of build up. Where me as an audience member, I'm asking myself, when do they? Shouldn't they tell Naomi what's going on? So I'm. I actually kind of started asking this question before, and I, maybe it's because I just didn't remember the episode very well. Um, and then you obviously get the scene with Janeway telling Neelix, you know, Hey, you need to tell her. And he starts freaking out and you only got like a little bit of a hint where he had his nightmare. So you don't really know what's going on with Neelix too clearly until later on the episode where it's like, he's having to deal with his, um, you know, his sister and he's going through his kind of own flashback. So I kind of thought that was kind of unique and it kind of asked the question, you know, like how, how to, how do you, how do you deal with children? What's the best 
best way is it just to be completely honest and tell them and put them in that situation or should you shield them a little bit more so i mean i'm not going to go out and say this was a, a great episode but um i kind of liked what they kind of did with it in, in subtle ways i like that scene with uh janeway and neelix because he you know she takes him you know into her office there and uh he really freaks out right but she responds to him thoughtfully and what does she say something like you know uh we ask you to occupy her distract her but not lie to her and we're to the point where you got to tell her something and we don't want you know you don't need to lie but yeah no she it's a good scene there too uh it's interesting because it yeah the episode like slowly it becomes a neelix episode which you know we always say it should be about our main characters but very soon very quickly naomi is gonna darn near feel like a series regular right mm-hmm. Right, right. It's cool too because there's that that brief scene where she says, "Oh, it's the Borg lady," and she's acting like scared. And then Seven Seven has like <laughs> one line to her about, "Is a seat? Can I sit here or something?" She's like, "No, uh, seats to somebody else sitting there or something." Very well, you know. But we get we're gonna get so much like you know that that was such a great moment, and they had such a good kind of chemistry together. <laughs> It was like heartwarming, but funny, but and then she immediately imitates seven. Yeah, it's so it's funny too. Uh, it's so neat because that's the kind of that's the kind of thing where you watch that and you're like, "Yep, the writers probably were not planning to put these two together, but that just seeing them together and the, for two little lines right there, it's like, okay, we're bringing her back. We're putting those two together, right? It's such a fun moment it, looking back on the show, having seen where the show goes with those two to see, oh, that's where it started. And I think what Steve Steve made the point from the the first episode that we talked about how um you know Bellana was in extremes and that kind of might have made the episode not feel kind of uneven. And I think in this one, you know, they kind of you know obviously they haven't we haven't dealt with Neelix's family past in probably at least a couple of seasons, but they kind of did it. It wasn't in an extreme way. Yeah, it was but we have. Yeah. We, I mean, we have dealt with Neelix's, but not in, in, like I said, not in a while. So, I mean, this kind of comes out of the blue, but not really because they do it in kind of a subtle way. And it's kind of a contrast to what um, the Bellana, what they did with Bellana, yeah. whereas, it was, whereas it was so extreme, it kind of felt like out of the blue. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there've only mm-hmm. been two or three episodes at most, probably maybe one or two where that his family and stuff's been touched on, but they're there. We've seen him. Mm-hmm. We and we've seen him kind of explode like this. We've seen him freak out like this in other situations. And we'd never seen ever, not once ever, seen Torres like depressed like she was. Yeah, I think I think why I think why this works better is that also that there's 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 like a catalyst to it. You know, it's like yeah. there's something. You know, we all have that kind of thing, right? We have something that's way deep, and a catalyst will bring something out that you may or may not ever have to deal with again. You know what I mean? And and it's like okay, and then uh, you know it brings it to the surface. And with the the whole Taurus episode two episodes ago, um, it's a different story. It's 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 basically that she's been dealing with something and engaging in a very unusual behavior that we just haven't seen for a very long time. you know, and that's why that's, that's some more out of the blue. And also I agree with the, uh, the whole notion of it kind of sneaks up on you as being a Neelix episode. Cause I have the exact same thing. I tend to put that in my notes where I think, okay, here's the focus, you know, and I have like two thirds, three fourths down in my notes 
this is an Elix episode, you know, but it is an Elix episode and it kind of sneaks up on you, you know, in the, the way that it's, let's tell something about him and it's his development and his coming to terms with things, you know? So I think there's a whole lot of silly elements in this in a way, you know, and it's kind of like, what, what's going on? We're all, let's focus on this kid, all this kind of stuff, but it definitely, it does something for his character. If there's anything weak in this episode, as evidenced by the fact that we have not mentioned it once, is that probably a quarter of this episode is the, or more, is the B storyline of what's mm-hmm. going on in the trapped shuttle. Oh, yes, yes. You know, it's... I, Was I, it just I me or did you, did you guys not... I didn't quite understand why they were so far deep down in the planet. Is this like some sort of quicksand that they landed in? I, did, I know they mentioned... Apparently kind of something. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're three kilometers down. I'm like, dude, they're pretty deep. How do they get so deep without... Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but it, but it's somehow it's soft enough that the Delta Flyer can go through it to crash down there, but parts of it are hard enough that require them to use the lasers or whatever to cut through. I, I don't know, but honestly, it was kind of it was convoluted. It's mostly just because we just feel like we've seen that scene. There's nothing new or different or interesting in there, but the rest of the episode is 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 so solid that it's fine. I, I probably would have preferred one more scene on the ship and one less scene on the Delta Flyer, but you know, it's fine. And it's, and it's kind of weird. Like, you know, this is, you know, we talked about, this is a Neelix episode, you know, it's kind of, this is how far the characters come. I remember the first couple of seasons, we were all kind of like, Oh, Neelix. Um, and now the character, now we can talk, have talk about him having an episode and going, you know, it was pretty good. Um, so it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's a testament to how far the characters come, not only in writing and, and, and acting and you know it's it's come along he's come a long way let's do six degrees for once upon a time let's see it's two to two boy i hope i can stump one of you is <laughs> uh okay adam are you going first or second um since i went first last time i'll let steve go first this time right. steve nancy Hauer returns as samantha wildman how many times does she play the character? Is it four, eight, or twelve? I hate these questions. I know it. Yeah, you know it. Oh, geez. I mean, I try to pick numbers that are pretty wildly different. Otherwise, I mean, I'm not going to say is it three, four, or five. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. I get it. Yeah, but um, uh, but but I think it's making a valid point about the show. Right. You no, know, I, get you. I get. I get you. I, I honestly don't know, and I'm trying. I'm just gonna say eight. You got it. Right. This is why you should always say, "I'm pretty sure it's," and then say eight. Because if you get it right, then it's like you knew it. You weren't guessing. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, then you just got it wrong, which is what's going to happen anyway. Right. <laughs> true. True. Uh, Adam Scarlett Palmer's makes her first appearance as Naomi Wildman. How many times will she play the character? Is it eight, twelve, or sixteen? I'm going to go 16. Yeah. 16. Wow. Wow. That's a yeah. lot. <laughs> well, Sounds like a lot. It like a regular going forward. So That's it, it yeah. Fun. Yeah. In case anything wacky and crazy happens in Star Trek world, folks, we're actually recording this episode a little early because Adam is going to be on vacation. So that's why we're not talking about whatever that was. But there was one thing that happened in the last few days. We got the amazing, incredible, who would have guessed it title for the new Star Trek mm. Picard series, and that would be Star Trek Picard. All right. 
Yeah. Or, can, I, can I complain about CBS real quick? Just, yep. just, just you know, <laughs> HBO HBO wrapped up Game of Thrones Sunday, and it was available for sale on Monday. Just saying, CBS out there. Well, uh, Picard. Oh, never mind. No, you're screwed. Picard is going to be because internationally Discovery is. Netflix, but Picard is not internationally. I think Picard, did they say it was going to be Amazon? I think. Yeah. Except in yeah. Canada, it's something entirely different. Yeah. yeah, something different. But here in the States, uh, it's still just CBS All Access. So you're still going to have the same problem. Do you, have either of you watched, um, what was that other big show, Twilight Zone? Has anybody seen that yet? Dude, I canceled my. I canceled my CBS All Access subscription as soon as Discovery was over. So I couldn't gotcha. watch it if I wanted to. Gotcha. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. you should be on your phone right now cancel yeah that's how they get you man i canceled it like two weeks before discovery even finished because you know you pay a month ahead so it's it's like it's like the hbo folks i mean i can't imagine you know like they're just you know there's nothing they can do about it it's like oh there goes everybody (laughs) right well i saw that the cbs all access people they they don't call them People, they don't call it canceling. They call it pausing. pausing. Sure. We're the people that pause their subscription between Discovery season one and two. I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, I can see that happening more and more. Pause in their quarterly revenue. Their revenue, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager. I, you know, sometimes it's a chore, especially having to watch it in standard def, which I haven't complained about in a while. I'll refrain. Best thing about seeing what we left behind, seeing DS9 and HD for the first time. Oh, it's a revelation. Hmm. Sometimes it's a chore watching some, especially some of the earlier Voyager episodes. And it's the only thing I'm suffering through in standard def and all this stuff. But, you know, we're getting into the good stuff here. And these are, these are pretty solid episodes. You know, even the first one that's mm-hmm. the weakest of the day, you know, sure. it's still, it's still enjoyable. And, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the next three episodes in a couple of weeks. Let's see. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You know how easy it is? If you have your iPhone, now, I don't know, it's probably similar on Android or something, but let's say you're on an iPhone and you use the podcast app, you're going to be logged in, right? So all you have to do, just go to our our um, show on your podcast app on iOS and scroll down to the bottom and there's a spot with stars and just hit, just tap the five. That's all you got to do. It'll take you like, scroll down, scroll down, tap the fifth star. Done. That's how long, that's all you got to do. You don't have to pay us any money for this show. You get it free. That's, that would be great though if you would just leave us five stars. Mm. That's all you do. Uh, that's how people find us. That's the that's what's cool about that. All right, so that's all I got to say about that. Thank you for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.